1: We're just here walking around. We're going to go set a tree stand. Don't worry, my dad's weird. He never shot a huge buck before. I just shot a freaking big buck. Get that one. Oh, you hit him. Go get that one, Henry. Right here. look at the size of that deer what's going on guys welcome to another episode of michigan wild i am still on cloud nine after shoot my buck uh october 22nd and uh I haven't hunted again since. This is, you know, less than a week later, but doing this intro for this podcast because this is one that I was recorded a few weeks before you're going to listen to this. Uh you know, we're right in the thick of approaching a November rapidly in the end of October. So a lot of guys are starting to get out of town and take their hunting trips and their rutcations and all those things. That includes the people of Sportsman's Empire. You know, guys got trips planned, so we Kind of had to bank up some episodes to have some stuff launch while we were all gone doing, you know, chasing our our passions and our hobbies. And I think I got a couple podcasts um, banked up. I don't know if I have enough. I think I might be one short, but instead of, you know, dragging on the last seven days, week three, I decided to have that get launched the same week that Find It Fred did just to give, you know, updated info as quick as possible. But uh, you will hear my no, no, my redemption podcast that you guys hopefully already listened to that. That podcast is all about the buck I shot. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that and learned a lot of things. Um, that's, you know, that's what I like to strive to do for people is just kind of tell the story as much as I can, as well as I can to hopefully help people learn. That's how I feel like I've learned, you know, over the years, hearing other people's success stories and, you know, the non-successful ones and, maybe you have a property that's similar or you can look at properties you can hunt differently and they can give you an opportunity to you know capitalize on the things that you do know so this podcast is one was uh cory tart he's a guy that i went to high school with he was a grade or two older than me we were not friends by any means we just would every time we'd run into each other we always had good conversation and i think he knew and he knew i loved hunting and fishing and being outside and i knew he did too so we we uh were just very similar minded in that, and then we, you know, when you're kids, there's a lot going on, sports and stuff like that. But it was he was always that guy, I was like, man, he likes to be outside doing stuff. Like, if we spent more time with each other, it wouldn't be a bad thing. But it just never happened. But you know, fast forward all these years, you know, following him through social media, and I'm running into him occasionally in town. When he's in town, you know, just seeing what he's done with his life and his career. It's quite quite the cool thing. I mean, he started kind of, you know, raising dogs and training dogs and doing those kind of things for like upland and waterfowl hunting he's got a company that does that and then he also has a, a lodge uh grand Celio. Celio, i think is how you say it lodge it's out in south dakota and i mean he offers a lot of cool things he's got a lodge that people can stay at and he's got other property where you can do the more of an adventure hunt with a canvas tent and not only does he do water or uh, upland bird. I don't know if he does much waterfall, but he does like the pheasant thing, the sharp-tailed grouse. I mean, he does that. He also has the whitetail and mule deer hunts. So this is the perfect time of year for you guys listen to this, because if you're like, man, I will love to go out west or do kind of a hunt. I mean, the Dakotas are just a wonderful place to do that, and some really good opportunities for you know whitetails and mule deer, and even like a pheasant hunt. Like I've been to North Dakota twice and. That hunt was always end of October going into November. So I've given up some of my bow season to just go and experience the prairie, take a dog and chase pheasants. I mean I mean to me, hunting's no matter how you, you know, shake it down, if you find a passion, if that's small game, like my buddy Tyler, he loves doing that. You know, that's his big commitment. Or, you know, other guys that like, you know, chasing stuff with their hounds like Tony Hill. I mean, you just gotta find something you like and if you can bring someone, me and my cousin went one, one year out there doing that. I mean, it's just some great memories and just some good, clean fun. And you know, in the world of today, you know we have a lot of social media, so you have quite quite the reach. But uh, you know, the vet process for an outfitter doing that kind of thing, they're they're not all created equal, unfortunately. But Corey is a guy that you can just tell. Hopefully, listen to him talk. He's tore up with us, and he loves seeing his dogs work. He loves seeing his clients being happy and doing those kind of things. So if it's something you've ever really wanted to get into and, you know, don't be afraid to reach out to them and, you know, let them know that you heard the podcast and you want to give them opportunity for some business and go have a fun time. I mean, not going to lie that, that canvas tent kind of hunt he offers is something me and my wife have, uh, been thinking about even before I did the podcast with him. I mean, I've reached out to him before, so I think that's in my near future, hopefully next year, but, I, uh, I'm, I'm totally down with supporting someone I know and can relate to. So yeah, hopefully you guys enjoy this episode. Like I said, I might not have enough. I'm not sure exactly how many weeks ahead I needed to be, but this should drop at some point in time. And then, yeah, definitely gonna be recording some podcasts for, you know, gun camp because November 15th is coming quick too. uh, have some updates from Illinois. Hopefully we got a couple bucks in the ground by the time this podcast drops. So Hey, I appreciate all the support guys. Hopefully you liked uh like what you've been hearing the last few weeks. It's been quite a quite a fun uh ride through this fall so far with hunting and doing these podcasts and I love it and hopefully uh you guys do too. Enjoy the episode. Thank you. We're somewhere in the teens of hours apart. Um, but yeah, w- welcome, Corey Tart. How's it going, man? It's going good. How you been? Good, dude. Like we kind of touched about you a little earlier. I've been just, it's been hectic the last couple of years. I know we, uh, we've we just known each other for a while, but we haven't really spent any of our adult life uh, hanging out at all. It's all back when we were teenagers kind of a thing, but I've been busy and it's been good. I'm, you know, construction games booming and, you know, it's October, so I'm happy. So it's, it's a good time of year
0: for me yeah i mean you know kind of grew up together a little bit same school obviously same town but uh went our separate ways but i think you know even just catching up here a little bit before this started having you know the common ground of the outdoors it just brings you right back i mean that's that's the cool thing about the outdoors for for everybody and especially what i do now is there's always some way to find that common ground between who you're in the field with so Yeah. And you just make me jealous on social media. You know what I mean? You got doing
1: this, what you do for your job with dogs and working at a lodge and all that. Like you're kind of doing something that I think a lot of guys, you know, when you look from where we live, you know, you're out West. I mean, you're in South Dakota, correct? So, I mean, you're, you're out West kind of living that life. And I've been out there a couple of times and it's like, man, dude, that's so cool that you get to do that. (laughs) So why don't you kind of like tell us a little bit about you and your upbringing hunting and like how you got to be where you are right now?
0: Yeah, so, man, kind of long story. I don't know if we have enough time for that. but uh, Bullet
1: points, man, bullet points. Yeah, (laughs) so, I mean, I grew
0: up in the outdoors just like everybody. I mean, uh, my grandpa, my dad taking me out all the time. Squirrel hunting is what I started out doing as soon as I could safely hold a pellet gun, you know what I mean? And then, uh, you know, that turned into bunny hunting. With my dad and his beagles to turned into bird hunting with my grandpa and his pointers to deer hunting, um, you know, And then fast forward to like high school and everyone grilling you about what you want to do for a living and not really having any idea. Um, I literally sent out some emails to go guide for some people I had, I had trained kind of got help training some pointers when I was younger um i had a couple dogs and i uh, wanted to go help train and learn how to do it uh guide and moved to georgia when i was uh 23. yeah let's so say you're young yeah i had some odd and end jobs obviously out of high school and everything um but uh packed sold everything sold my truck sold everything basically besides guns and packed up moved to georgia i lived in a guy's garage for a year for free. And uh, they took me in, I stayed there for three years. And then they had an opportunity in upstate New York to run an outfitter and a dog kennel there where I kind of went more the dog training route versus hunting and guiding. We still did a little bit of it, but it was all about field trials and hunt tests. And um, we did that for three years and then started our own company, uh, The Dog Park which was formerly known as uh, great lakes retrievers. And then got an opportunity in South Dakota to come out and guide. It was just for, uh, to help out a buddy who used to guide at a lodge. Uh, he was having some surgery and I helped out and then it turned into what we have now where we, we took over management, we moved out here and now we have ownership and yeah. That's so awesome. And how long you've been doing that where you're at right now? Five years. This is the fifth year I've been in South
1: Dakota. Yep. So cool. So you still do like the dog training and stuff like that? Like what, what kind of, what encompasses your like year, I guess?
0: Yeah. So we'll start off around April. I get all our dogs in for training. Uh, When I was in Michigan, we had like a, you know, it was like almost 40 dogs, 30 to 40 dogs. And that was field trials every weekend, trying to stay, you know, kind of top of the game. Uh, when I moved out here and took over the outfitting part of it, we downsized the kennel obviously, but we, we get all our dogs in around April. We start training, we got we built designed dog training ponds, and we have all the cover in the world for upland. And uh, so we do that throughout the summer and early fall, and then um then comes hunting season so part of the training season is is done with um we do a lot of farming as far as like cover and food plots not your typical farming we're not doing like ag or anything like that but a lot of property restoration property management um for birds and and deer and everything we can do and then we jump into right right into our hunting season and lodge season there so very nice
1: and like you do like when you're talking about like your hunting season, that that's upland bird, that's waterfowl,
0: that's whitetail, mule deer too, right? Yeah. So we don't do a lot of waterfowl. That's that's okay. uh, as far as guiding is concerned. That's that's all personal. Okay. Um, but we do upland prairie chicken. Hold on one second.
1: Do prairie chicken? Yeah. I
0: shot. I've shot a couple of those. <laughs> those yeah. Six. So yeah, we, that was my first. Do... Uh,
1: my first experience in North Dakota. I got to shoot a prairie chicken, and I got one mounted
0: on the yeah. wall here by me uh those are those are fun to shoot <laughs> yeah so we have we have about uh 800 acres here on east river south dakota i don't know if anyone recognizes how south dakota is kind of split up it's split up by the missouri river there mm-hmm. they, they break up the entire state licensing everything east river okay. west river so where our lodge is uh we have about 800 acres then we lease another 700 Uh, for upland whitetail and then west river over by rapid city i lease thirteen thousand acres for whitetail sharpies grouse uh, and mule deer so awesome um we kind of span the whole state a little bit it gets a little crazy during hunting season between our our west river i call it west river camp it's a wall tent setup um people fly in to rapid city they come stay in a wall tent we bird hunt we deer hunt you know it's kind of the whole whole gig and then when you come over east river at our lodge um we've got a 12 bedroom uh lodge we just put a new addition on this year for big great room and everything and uh do a lot of our pheasant hunting and whitetail out of here that's so cool
1: i mean that's what i like about going like when i went to north dakota the first couple times i liked it so much because it was so different but there was like so much space you know like yeah to do things and like you know we're shooting pheasants we're shooting prairie chickens we're shooting hungarian partridge and then everywhere he we went there's whitetail like you know running around we i mean i saw some just giant bucks like the, the biggest, probably, score, non-typical buck I've ever seen was in North Dakota. And he popped out yeah. of a sunflower field, you know. And you, you like, it's in the middle of nowhere, and this just giant deer is there. So, it's like that, the plains kind of, you know, like the, the the river bottom area. It's just so unique and so cool being from Michigan to go there. And, like, Michigan's a lot of cool areas in Michigan, but you don't quite get that vast feel in Michigan, you know.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a different feel. It's hard to get hard to get used to bird hunting kind of falls into place with dogs and everything that, that I do professionally with, with the dogs before we came out here. But as far as deer hunting, um, it was a little bit of an adjustment. I mean, you know, we're not taking, I mean, we have a rifle area, a rifle zone in Michigan, but, uh, you know, it, you could probably do most of it with a shotgun. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> you get out here and you can see 15 miles. Um, and like you said, I mean, you, you see some of the biggest deer you've ever seen. I think personally, and I, you know, you call it bias if you want, but South Dakota, North Dakota, huge sleeper States for big whitetail. obviously big mule deer. That's, that's well-known, but as far as whitetail are concerned, I mean, you can't drive around for three days and not see the biggest deer you've seen. If you're coming from the East coast yeah. um, and it's constant. Uh, they're all over the place out here so the genetics are good obviously there's a lot of food Um, and then you get more west river type and it comes into like the river breaks and creek bottoms and all the the southern river shoots that come off of the missouri um, like the cheyenne and um, any of the creeks that feed out of the the mountains i mean all that terrain change out there is it's unreal to be able to hunt it and it's it's different i mean it's not your not typical easy. Stand yeah, not hunting, easy. correct. Blind hunting. It's everything we do out here is spot and stalk, and it is. <laughs> That's so. It's cool. <laughs> uh, it's hard to do. It's it's not impossible, hundred percent. Um, it's hard to do, but it is. I wouldn't go back to it uh, if you paid me to. Um, I, I don't mind sitting in a stand. I don't mind sitting in a blind, but being able to spot and stalk a whitetail, which I thought was impossible. I could barely move in a tree stand when I was a kid without them seeing me to be able to spot and stalk them on the, on the prairie. Uh, unreal. Oh, cool. There's, there's no adrenaline rush like it. Yeah. Like, I mean, I've, I've yet,
1: I mean, I've shot some deer on the ground in Michigan, like, and like in Illinois, we've had a property we hunted a couple times, And I did try like sneaking up on some deer, like a grassy, you know, field. And I actually passed a buck at like 18 yards and he had like, there was a doe that had, we got worked through by another deer. So I just kind of like moved up and I caught this buck, like working, you know, through this grass. And I was like, this is some tree, you know, mixed in. So it was like optimal for me to be on the ground and like make a move. So I saw him probably 150 yards away and I'm like, I bet he's going to go right where those other deer went. So, I made a like, you know, 30, 40 yard move, and that buck came by at 18 yards, you know, tongue hanging out, breath is just, you're, you felt like that 18 yards felt like eight feet, you know, cause you're just yeah. like not used to it. And what a, yeah. What I should have shot the deer cause it'd been so cool, but he was probably only like yeah. 115 inch deer, but still, it was just like a cool experience. And I can't imagine waking up, you know, for multiple days in a row, and being able to have opportunities like that. And granted, like you said, it's not a guarantee, it's really hard, but all day you're, you're peaked like, you're constantly like, especially when you're like, I'm going after that deer. You have that adrenaline pumping for much longer than tree stands. A lot of weight and try to keep yourself up, you know, and be ready for the moment, but it could be there and gone in 30 seconds, you know? So yeah, that's a cool thing. But I want to kind of like dig into like the bird aspect of it. What is your favorite kind of dog to like pheasant hunt and do stuff there? Do you kind of have like a set, like what you like to do or like you like to do for the clients or what kind of, how do you kind of attack that for, for pheasant hunting or
0: upland bird hunting uh i mean my favorite dog to hunt over is an english pointer um i grew up with german short hair pointers but uh the english pointer for me as far as guiding if if you know there were eight days in a week they'd sign up for nine Uh, they just (laughs) they go all day they don't quit uh you know i can finish an entire guide season here in south dakota and head down to georgia and guide quail and then jump to texas and they're just as fresh as they were day one it's it's unreal but a lot of a lot of our stuff kind of depends on the bird too so pheasant hunting you can do a lot of pointer stuff like if if we're at our lodge and we've got like a corporate group or something like that we're gonna have um typically we're gonna use labs which is a flushing situation mm-hmm. it's kind of like controlled chaos the dogs are within range within gun range you don't really know when a bird's going to get up unless you you know you're watching the dogs constantly and you kind of know what's going on but then you're just surprised with birds you know identify take a safe shot um and then you get to see the bird the dog work after that as well with with retrieving and possibly handling and things like that uh smaller groups uh five and less i like to break out the the pointers. Um, it's a little easier to get limits. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when you got five or less to do with the pointer. If you got ten guys, twelve guys in the field to do it, you know, one bird at a time is. That's a, that'd be a long two weeks, and no yeah, one's staying here for, sure. for two weeks straight. So, <laughs> for <laughs> um, sure, yeah, you got to yeah, pointers. Just,
1: but the the times I've been out there, you know, we went as a pretty, you know, decent group, like four or five of us. And we've had pointers typically but i brought my lab the one year because my pointer at passing i had a white german short hair pointer and yeah like it's super cool because all right he's covering a bunch more ground than the lab does Fox on point you got to hustle over there and then it flushes a bird but there's a good chance it's a hen you know so you can't even shoot it so then you got to restart that whole endeavor again then we took our lab out there we're hammering these sloughs and he, the labs are not as finesse, you know, they're more like just like blow through Control this area. Chaos, man. It's... Yes, like you said, perfect. And you're just like, me and my cousin, we're kind of partnering up and we're like, alright, man, like send them in there and you're just waiting and you're walking. And like you said, it's like rabbit hunting with birds, you know, like all of a sudden, yeah. boom, there goes one, you know. And yeah, yeah we, we did actually did have a lot more opportunities that way. Granted, they weren't as like good of an opportunity because like when you walk up to a pointer, you kind of feel a little more confident and you can kind of prepare yourself, but it's a lot of right. fun when there. it's a lot of fun both ways. So I think that's kind of cool that you do that, have that yeah. technique. So now when you like transition to like, when is there time for you to get out and do this kind of stuff? Because you always hear yeah. guidings, the it's awesome. And you, you kind of hunt through your clients and do that kind of stuff. Do you f- get opportunities yourself to still get out there with a gun in your hands and,
0: you know, enjoy it? Or how does that work? Uh, you know, if my clients are missing quite a bit, I'll I'll, I'll break out the 28-gauge and, you know, knock a few down <laughs> for them to show how it's done. No, yep, just there you
1: kidding. go. 28-gauge, <laughs> um, you know, loaded, super
0: light, you know,
1: no yeah. BBs, you know.
0: Yeah, Yeah, we're talking skeet shot, <laughs> yeah. improved cylinder. Yeah, I mean, you know, just to show them how it's done. Yep. Um, no, <laughs> we, you know, it, it's a it, – we started off this talking about, you know, kind of like, there's there's envy and and watching guides and possibly dog trainers out there and stuff like that upland or big game whichever one it is but uh it's a grind um my favorite time of year is the is the time of year that i'm the busiest and i never thought that was going to be that way growing up but um you know i know people i grew up with you're you're one of them um probably better outdoorsman than i am but Uh, you know, there's no hacks on my side or your side or anyone else's side that we grew up with. But, uh, some people have to pull the trigger and some people don't, um, I enjoy every bit of the hunt. And as far as the bird side of it comes, um, being able to watch the dogs is really the only thing that I care about, um, watching the dogs. That's why I've been training for 12 years now professionally. That's, that's the only job I've had. It's not a side job uh and then the outfitting business as well now but uh to be able to watch the dogs it's kind of taken place of the field trials that i used to do spend so much time training these dogs and then going out competing now i get to spend all this time and still showcase them to people but through a hunting situation that they get to take a memory home with um so i get to hunt you know every once in a while I'll I'll go scout in between trips, uh, especially West River when it comes to like sharpies and prairie chicken. Uh, when I go down for a quail down south, um, I'll go get the dogs used to the heat, things like that. And uh, we'll take a couple days. And obviously, I still want to have you know the the dog success as well. So we'll shoot a couple. Um, I do have a a trip in the works here coming up. Uh, hopefully, it'll be about a five year. It's only going to be a couple weeks at a time but i want to complete the upland slam so uh, but i want to do that with all my dogs um so we're gonna we're gonna try to accomplish that here in the next couple of years Sweet. and uh try to document it as much as we possibly can and um deer hunting is kind of few and far between i get a couple times a year to be able to do things uh, my biggest thing is uh spring bear i like going in the mountains and that's my slow time so yep go stay in for you know 10 to 14 days and try to kill spring bear in the mountains either montana or idaho or something like that but uh i got the opportunity to take my dad out you know he's the one that got me into the outdoors uh he came for the first week of archery this year for spot and stalk uh uh to either or for archery in south dakota so either mule deer or whitetail and he got to kill a really old cool eight point full velvet first one i got to guide them but it was Sweet. still kind of a father-son hunt that's uh, so cool. kind of a dream hunt for me um so that was that was really cool so there's there's a lot of benefits to it obviously but uh yeah as far as time being able to get out just strictly by myself it's not uh i, I guess we just kind of look at it a little differently uh, time in the woods is time in the woods for me so
1: and I think that like my first like real guided experience was in uh, Wyoming on spring bear this year. Me, me and Ashley went and did that had a guy guide, full yeah. guided hunt and talking with them guys and spending, you know, a week in the mountains with them. I like, it was very apparent that to do that for a job, you get the fulfillment and like exactly how you were saying, you know, like them dudes loved it. Like, yeah. and the whole time I'm just there, like, walking around smiling on my face like just happy to be there and do that you know this is the coolest experience and uh my wife was joking with me she's like i she's like i literally felt like super sad that the reason that like, you weren't able to be a guide is because you married me you know and i was like hey <laughs> come on you can't do that you know i'm like i'm a dude that loves the outdoors and of course i'm going to be like that because i'm there one week you know it's not like it's got yeah. an opportunity to be like like, you know talking to them they're you know they still love it but they're like we don't even really it's hard to appreciate the mountains when we see them every day the same as like you guys do so every time we take clients or you guys fly in from the you know the east side of the the country and you see these mountains just seeing how much you guys love it like refreshes us and like keeps yeah. it you know keeps it really exciting for us we love to do it but and then you know you're touching base on like how dogs work like you know i have beagles i've had for quite a few years and like did a lot of rabbit hunting so I have two beagles and I've had like a German short pointer and I've had a lab. And now I have like one of those, uh, uh, Frank, he's a wired hair pointing Griffon. So, you know, he's a, he's a working dog and like, it's really hard to, I almost feel like bad because I can't take him out as much. Like if I lived out West, you know, you can do a lot more opportunities with them, but it's like hard to explain to people that aren't used to seeing like hunting dogs, how like much fulfillment you get out of watching them do what they're, they're made to do. And, uh, it's it's really tough to it's really tough to explain but if you just take someone one time i think the light bulb just goes off for people and that's why i like i went to north dakota two years and when we get to go there you know you're kind of touching base on before we started recording but it's like the third weekend in october like you're saying so we would always like be there like october 30th 31st somewhere in there and then we'd stay there for like eight days so like i was missing out i was not bow hunting whitetails the first few days in november and I was okay with it because watching dogs work and doing that out there was that fulfilling for me. And I loved it. Like, it was like, I wasn't even that sad that I wasn't home bow hunting because it's just such a great experience. So anyone who's kind of, you know, listening to this, like I wanted to do this podcast, even right now, and though it's not going to be like a whitetail focused podcast, but there's opportunities for guys to get out there and just enjoy something different. And you know yeah maybe you're missing a couple good days of hunting possibly but when you go out and experience like the prairie and watch dogs work it's all day fun like it's you know we yeah. walked miles like we're driving all over we're like we were doing the whole plot program thing you know you're just bombing to this part of the state and you're staying in these little motels and we just it was just a great time so that's why yeah. i kind of want to do that because like that's an opportunity for you to get out there like You can take like a a cousin who I've never hunted with before. We got to go do that. You're going with people that you've never been before. It's lackadaisical to an extent. I mean, you're determined, but you're just out there just seeing country. You you walk over this like small little hillside, get up on top of it, and it is like the most pretty view. But I can't even explain. You just look like you said. You can see 15 miles. There's not a light. There's not a building. It's just wide open, you know. And then there's right. snow geese flying. There's, you know, ducks and spots. There's you hear pheasants, you know, sounding off or whatever they Bruce do when they're on. The yeah.
0: Oh gosh, yeah.
1: dude. It is just it's just an experience that well, if you haven't done it, you know, it's awesome
0: whenever i get a free time from guiding you know an off day from bird hunting or something like that you know running the dogs even when i'm guiding but running the dogs and kind of taking them into a spot that may not have a whole bunch of birds but being able to look at that property differently just because i'm i'm running the dogs but i'm also looking for deer and possible sheds or anything like that i mean bird hunting for me has always been I've, I've killed some of my biggest deer because i've scouted an area mm-hmm. while bird hunting and then returned to that area later to to try to capitalize on either you know a scrape or a shed i found or something like that knowing that hey you know this is probably his bedroom this is probably his travel corridor to food uh, to water everything like that uh, and to be able to look at the land differently like that but you're doing it in such a You know, you're not just out there scouting for. You're hunting and enjoying other parts of, and you can do that squirrel hunting and stuff. I mean, I grew up doing that with with just squirrel hunting and and bunny hunting as well. Um, Yeah, you're taking it all in.
1: You're like you're 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 being an outdoorsman, which, you know, you hear a lot of people talk about this woodmanship thing that's kind of lost nowadays. But I think all it really is is just like getting out there, enjoying you know being outside, but just like taking in your surroundings and learning how all animals use different properties and like if you learn what kind of like terrain like rabbits like to run in or like when you flush a rabbit and how it like the dogs circle it it's like okay they really like you know hanging out in this kind of a cover and so you're walking properties and you like like me and tyler thompson you know we've gotten to the point where we like can drive by a property from the road and we have a really good inclination if that's going to be a good deer hunt spot or a good rabbit hunt spot you know, just because you learn those things and then you can check stuff when you, you know, take, take on like a big chunk of state land. We're going through and looking at the map or like just checking off spots. And it's like, as a rabbit hunter, we're like, all right, good rabbit spot, terrible deer spot, good deer spot, right. terrible rabbit spot. You know, like you can just go through and you just become a really well-rounded outdoorsman. And then all these, you know, you just get to enjoy it. And I think that's, at the end of the day, no one's going to care how many mounts I have on the wall. You know what I mean? No one's going to really care how many stuff I've shot it's all personal thing for me. Like that's what I enjoy out of life. And I think as you can take advantage of those opportunities, that's, that's pretty cool. But on the flip side, you know, when we're, you know, looking at you from a distance, you know, it's like, man, Corey's living this life where he's guiding and out there doing that. But like, you don't see on social media, you don't see all the work that goes into yeah. what you do. Like I've like Tony Hill, you know, he's got like, he's getting, he started getting these bigger dogs. So he's like trying to do the bear dog thing and chasing yeah. coyotes and doing all these things. And like, I see what he goes through like in a summer, just trying to train his dogs. He's got to drive right. hours to find it and, you know, do the, all, when you just see a picture of a deer or of a bear in a tree with his dogs going crazy, you're like, man, that's so cool. But like, you have no idea the backstory like yeah. to that. And like, you're doing this as a full-time gig. Like there's a yeah. lot of pressure. There's a lot of work. There's a lot of like behind the scenes stuff that like, you just can't appreciate until you actually
0: like live it, I guess. Right. I mean, you, I'm not better than anybody else. It's it's just hard work and how much how much I wanna be here. I mean, it's to be able to not really know what I wanted to do coming out of high school besides, you know, mess around and hunt. I mean, I wanted to hunt and fish, that's all I wanted to do. And how mm-hmm. can you do that? Well, just being able to do that probably wasn't gonna happen. So I kinda of found the next best thing for me and it worked out. But uh, yeah, I mean the hard work, I mean, we talked about it at the beginning. I I literally just packed up, and said See you later. I'm taking it off on a chance. And uh, you know, lived in someone's garage for a year. Yeah, you know, it was a I well known outf- outf- it was a well known outfitter. It's not like I just like picked pick some southern country guy and, and did it. But uh,
1: you know, that was
0: it was kind of the deal. Like, you know, you can live here for free. It's it's basically uh, you know, a twin bed in the garage and uh you know that's what it was. But dream, I wanted it so mm-hmm. bad and uh you know i pursued it so um but yeah every day to get better every year get better um i have my clients stop messing with the dang lights around here <laughs> <Hey>. you're fine <laughs> um, uh keeps it entertaining so, for me i like i got a little light, <laughs> that's <the> light. Just <laughs> <laughs> um i think they lost some lights here we put in our new addition, and uh, give me a second. I apologize. No,
1: so you need me <laughs> to come over there and do some construction work for you, is what you're oh, saying. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, well, our building it. blew down once, yeah,
0: just to let you know about that. Oh, geez. Yeah, that was fun. Nice. nice. Yeah, our addition, we put in our addition, it blew
1: down once, and then. Uh... Well, it gets windy out there in the prairie. Yeah. You know, that's, that is no a joke. I'm to be an electrician here dude i remember when i was in north dakota we had like the first few days we were like hunting in t-shirts you know it's nice getting sunburned and like wake up the next morning there's like snow on the ground trucks are ice shut and it was like the most miserable i've been ever hunting because you're like you're here you might as well hunt and it's like drizzling sleeting windy and you're just frozen solid i was like what we, literally less than 24 hours ago i was like getting sunburned what is this we just like, had yeah. it for
0: a uh, a youth hunt out here so the youth season starts and then the resident season starts and then the non-resident so yeah, we had right. a youth hunt and it was full of mentored hunters um which are um so in south dakota you can do a mentorship so i like mentor my child um, when I'm in the field, if I feel that they're safe and they can hunt, um, I just can't carry a gun. Um, okay. So we had a whole bunch of those. We've been doing those for the last four years out here. It's turned into a huge group. Um, it's, it's one of my favorite hunts of the year. Um, but uh, when <clears throat> we did that, you know, early October, you know, South Dakota is a little different, but early October is usually pretty nice. And it was like 38 and downpouring for the first two days. Oh man, and it went, that's the worst. <laughs> okay, so now we're trying to balance, like, we want the kids to get out and shoot, we want them to hunt, but at the same time, I don't want it to be a miserable experience either, so mm-hmm. we're picking our, you know, our turns to come in, to get warmed up, and, you know, have hot cocoa, and then go back out, and it's, you know, raining, sleeting, it was, uh, it was a big to-do for a three-day, three-day hunt, the last day we tried to make the most of it, get out early, and and, uh, knock some birds down and have, have the best time as possible. But yeah, it was, the weather always plays some sort of trick in there, but, um, Mother Nature is your, is your worst enemy. And, you know, also your
1: blessing, you know, like how that works. Like you can have just an amazing fall because of it and you can have just adversity every day. So, yeah, well, that's pretty cool. You get to do that. And, you know, I like think back to like all the times that I, if I look back, some of my like core memories of like being in the outdoors, uh, you know ice fishing maybe the grappa or you know chasing chasing deer you know my dad or whatever it may be i remember just sometimes some days you're just miserable you know but then that might be a day someone shot something and it sticks in my brain like hey we toughed it out you know like you did something you feel like an adult because you were able to like overcome some of this adversity and uh i think it kind of like and maybe some kids you know will you know, live that life and they might not, you know, want to continue. But I know for me, it just made me want it that much more. And it kind of helped mature me as a, as a hunter and outdoorsman. So pretty cool experience to get to do that every year. And, you know, kind of, you know, you don't know, you're, 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 you might be in, you know, inflicting like generational, you know, change in families, like helping them get into it and their kids will get to it. And like, you're doing your part, which is pretty, pretty cool to be in that position of, to have that opportunity.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, getting people in the outdoors for all of us as outdoor outdoorsmen, not just guides, but anybody who enjoys the outdoors, whether it's fishing, hunting, you know, even hiking and camping, everything like that. It's, you know, it's about being out there and there's, there's a piece that comes with being out there. I think that you can probably speak to obviously as well. Um, you know, when I go for spring bear, um, I'm not guiding, so I don't, you know, my job is it, I, stress myself out it's not a stressful job but i stress myself out trying to make sure everyone's having a good time um and obviously successful at the same time um safety you know we're dealing with rattlesnakes which i didn't grow up with so that learning that whole thing is all over the place dogs getting bit trying to figure out how to do that Um, but like you know there's a piece whether you don't have to hunt or fish to get out in the wilderness and find the peace out there um into reset and if you can even give just an ounce of that, whether they continue to hunt like they do with us here for generations or not, um, it's it's a pleasure to be able to just hope to instill a little bit of wanting to get back out there. You know what I mean?
1: What I get for using a computer from like, dude, it might be 2014. I bought this MacBook Air for my wife way back when, when she worked at a job. And was like, yeah, we'll buy it for you. And, and it, it's been a good computer for her. She got through her BSM program, and then when she uh, she started her masters, we needed like a little bit more reliable computer because she was having the same issue I just had it just randomly freeze and didn't turn <laughs> off. So I like took this computer over and have used it for work the last few years, and now it, it actually works pretty good for podcast. If it wouldn't if it wouldn't freeze on this Google Meet thing, but I has two USB ports still, so I can connect two mics to it this mic i'm using if i have someone come in so i'm like dude i don't spend any more money on this if i have to i'm rocking it and i kind of know how to use it <laughs> a little bit so we're just we're just using hey. it but yeah thankfully right. this thankfully what we did do before this recorded and it, i got a notification that it was processing so we didn't lose it which is good but i kind of wanted like what kind of of the transition kind of go more into like your whitetail hunts like you kind of touch base on how you have early season you know velvet hunts you know which is like a spot and stalk thing. Um, which I almost, if I wasn't already went to Wyoming this year and have Illinois lease and the Iowa hunt, I was totally wanting to go with me and Ashley, like really wanted to go this year, but it was just like, eh, maybe we should, you know, maybe do a different year because we already got everything else going on. But now yeah. I kind of want to roll into like, um, I'm assuming you have some rut hunts that you, uh, that you do do or like during the rut time, because they're, you know, the gun season, stuff like that. So maybe if you want to kind of like, Cause you have like a different experience. Like you're seeing these deer rut from a distance and like over, you know, you can kind of get eyes on them. Maybe if that is the case, you know, a lot of spot and stock stuff. I know there's some like <laughs> bottoms and things like that they can hide in, but maybe if you want to kind of bring us into like, when you kind of start doing some of your whitetail hunts during the rut, uh, if that be gun hunting primarily, or if that's bow hunting, want to kind of like touch base with like kind of how you do that.
0: Yeah. For us out here, um, well, to go into the rut, uh, kind of to compare the rut for michigan to south dakota is just a it um it's a it's a learning experience and i don't mean that like you're far behind if you're from michigan and then come to south dakota and you just don't understand it it's the fact that you can watch it from afar has given me so many tools to learn <clears throat> versus you know the quick bursts of a, a a buck chasing a doe in a field or a buck chasing a doe in a bottom and a in a uh, timber area or something like that in Michigan Um, I mean I can watch the whole sequence everything I mean for hours it's it's unreal I get to watch the big buck chase a doe and then I get to watch from you know 800 yards away two doe or two little bucks trail that doe that that buck just pushed an hour beforehand and then that those two bucks get too close and that buck comes up and runs them off. And then he goes back to his, I mean, I get to watch the whole process out here. So, um, it's, it's a learning experience, meaning that you get to learn so much about whitetail by watching that happen out here because you can see forever. Um, most of our rut actually happens, uh, I mean I see a lot of things happen obviously early you're going to see your young bucks always try to chase early that would be kind of no different than seeing you know a young dog versus an old dog uh chase a female <clears throat> um they're going to start fairly early they don't know really what's going on uh but that first in November has been special for me with you know and I'm not saying I haven't killed a giant but um, you know, 140s, I've got a mid 150, um, that we've, we've put on the ground, um, a 162, uh, all happen archery that first week or that first week and a half in November, um, where they just hit the ground running and yep. get after it. And that's it's just, awesome. um, doing it in, in Michigan, you know, and maybe I was taught wrong, but the rut happens and it's always like right next to gun season. And that's when the rut is. Um, and you, and then you start watching it as you grow up, obviously. And you kind of learn that it kind of changes a little bit. And there's different things that can, that can set it off and the patterns and, you know, your cold fronts and everything like that can set everything off. Um, but out here, it's definitely, it definitely happens, I think, earlier, more consistently here in South Dakota. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a lot of spot and stalk. It's a lot of sit and watch and wait. Um, if he's got a doe and he, you know, he takes her back somewhere and beds her down for a couple of days and tries to figure out um, how to keep his bucks away, um, how to play that scenario. We've done it with decoys. Um, you know, you're sitting three, four or five hundred yards away, watch him put a doe away, watch a, a little buck come up and all he does is pick his doe up and take off. And, you know, that's not a time mm-hmm. to run a decoy. And then there's other times where you know, a spike comes up and he goes and runs after it. And it's like, okay, well, let's, let's try the decoy. And he comes, I mean, he'll come right at you and that makes it as easy as possible. Crazy adrenaline rush,
1: Yeah. but as easy
0: as possible, if you can pull off the right alignment and you're not outside your decoy and everything like that. Um, but being able to watch all that, that's, that's the thing is like, when do you do this and how do you do this? We get to actually watch it and play, the whole game out in a scenario. So when you're spotting and stalking, hunting in South Dakota, but like even more specific to the rut, a hunt isn't your typical hunt in Michigan, right? You usually have like a you know you have a morning hunt and an evening hunt, and that's kind of your day. Like a hunt is you've you've located a deer, and now you're gonna dedicate. That day, and possibly another day, and another day, depending on what it is to get it done. Whether you're doing it for private um, or personal use um, on private land or public land, um, or if it's you know me guiding or whatever it is, it's it's a it's a chess match that I'm hyper competitive. I always have been as a kid, and now I get to go up against Not you. a white tail and try to you make this were competitive. Yeah. Come on, <laughs> do <Don't>, uh, <laughs> to be able to go up against a whitetail and walk up within 60 yards of it and get uh either myself or a client an opportunity um is man and Dude. it's it's a it's a drawn out process. We all know that like we have places to be and deer don't, right? Mm-hmm. They just have to survive. So to be able to play it out like that and use the wind constantly and I mean, it's a big chess game and there's, there's nothing more fun than doing a spot and stock hunt. especially, I mean, I'm an archery guy through and through. I have nothing wrong with rifles. I own a rifle. I rifle hunt. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, I'm not one of those guys, but uh, if you gave me a choice, it would be archery every day. I just can't imagine like the anticipation that builds from like, whenever
1: this starts, when you locate a deer and you have like, you don't you locate deer in Michigan or in these other states through trail cameras you know like you you it's so hard to glass like there's spots in Michigan you can glass but you're not locating bucks like the way you guys can so like I'm just thinking if I locate a buck it's like yep that's a deer I'm after he's mature who cares what you know maybe if it's a 140 if it's a 130 gnarly old eight point like whatever that is once you have acquired your target and then you have uh, days and hours invested yeah. in seeing this deer and then you finally that anticipation builds the closer you get the closer you get and then for all that to come through like dude the the fist pumps and the celebration you have to have with your guides or your clients has got to be just unreal because like yeah i barely see like i barely see a deer that i'm going to shoot the amount of time i see him is like minimal. we're talking like i'm lucky if it's minutes you know it's usually seconds and it's either comes and goes and it's like drawn that.
0: out and it's drawn out like the way i explain it and this is uh, i wanted to bring this up earlier the way i explain it with like you know when we're doing spot and stock or when you're scouting in michigan um, or any kind of anywhere east coast area midwest further east midwest but um you're doing that through a long drawn out process it's you know you're putting a lot of time in the woods just like we are out west um trail cameras walking trails shed hunting maybe in the spring trying to figure out i mean everything you're sitting on the roads glassing Mm -hmm. soybeans whatever you can do um when we do it it's all compacted into possibly like a week i mean we find deer now i go out you know i'll go out in august i'm i'm out in a tent you know two weeks i'm home for a week then two weeks i'm home for a week and then you know, August or September rolls around. I'm, I got a pretty good understanding of what's on that. You know, like thirteen thousand acres out there, and what we want to take, and what's management, what's does, uh, what's trophy. Um, but there's always surprises. I didn't see it all. Um, but at the same time, when it comes down to the hunt, that particular week is is as you guys know, um, when you're every week in October is different. Every week in November is different. It's the same thing when we take clients out. Like I can, I can scout all I want in August. All it does is give me a body count. um, And, and what I want to pursue when I get there, we're trying to do all the scouting in a week and hunt at the same time. And it's, it could be, you could take it as a little harder. You could take it as maybe a little easier because we can see far and we can locate them. Um, I just take it as, you're doing everything that we love and throwing it into a week at the same time and it's just you get to scout you get to figure out that deer you get to learn the deer and then you get to pursue the deer and hopefully you know you don't make a silly mistake and yeah the wind doesn't do something stupid or you can best, play that right there's so
1: many things that... it up with a
0: wind. yep the biggest, just... the biggest thing for us is always when we locate that buck like day one, it's always like, how do we get there? Let's go, let's go. And it's like, Oh, we might stay here two days watching this thing. Yeah. It's like, why? he's right there. I'm like, I know, but we don't know what he's going to do Yep. when we go 500 yards, it's going to take us six hours to get there. I mean, I could run 500 yards and be, you know, dead tired, but the way we have to move to get there and not bust out deer on the way to them, it could take, I want to figure out a pattern. Is there some sort of pattern? Mule deer are a little tougher than whitetail. Um, whitetail kind of play the same same game as what you what you do in Michigan they, they have some sort of a pattern they like to stick to what they know mm-hmm. mule deer they're kind of all they're wild cards I mean sometimes they have a pattern and then like they'll have a pattern for three four days you got them and then one day they just up and do something different just because mm-hmm. you know yeah I don't want you to undersell like how hard it <laughs> yeah I don't want you to
1: undersell how hard it is to get close to deer in that kind of terrain because When I was pheasant hunting, we would, like, you know, there's terrain. Like, it's not just always flat. There's there's rolling hills, and there's, like, these – I call them, like, hidden sloughs. Like, where you park the truck, you got to walk, like, three miles, and you come over this little rise, and it's, like, there's just a slough. Just, like – and sloughs just sometimes has water and cattails. And you, like, barely crest over this hill, and you're just standing there, and you're, like, hundreds of yards away from it. And you look, and whitetails are just running away. I'm, like – what, like yeah. that's so far away? How did they pick me up that quick? So, like, I've always like just been in astonishment that you can obviously, there's tricks, and like you've learned through experiences, but like, yeah, you can see a long ways, but you have to get your butt within bow range of that animal, wild animal that's got way better eyesight than <clears> us, <throat> and they want to survive. Like they don't want to die. So I every time I see a success, you know picture in the in the the western states or whatever and knowing like a spot stock, it's like, I've been out there. I've spent, you know, I've drove the last time I was in North Dakota. We, I drove a thousand miles there. And then in the week of hunting, I drove a thousand miles and a thousand <laughs> miles back. So like we covered yeah. all over North Dakota. Like I've been, I've drove all around that. And, uh, right, and it's, it's just, I it, I can see the addiction to it. You know, I can see why hearing you talk about this, like knowing that. And like you said, you're, you do your scouting and stuff, but you, you can't just like set a trail camera in a in a river bottom and be like yep he's gonna walk by this little camera that only has a small point of view because it's so vast you know like you can't really get that intel you know like that where you guys are at so like yeah you really have to rely on uh, intuition or like know what deer like to do and i'm sure then when you start that hunt that first morning when day breaks and you find that guy you're just like yeah, let's go. We got yeah. this. We're in the chips, you know, cause you don't have like Intel. Yeah. Like we, ha- like right now on my phone, you know, every three hours, I get updates on my cameras, you know, and I have a pretty good idea right. what's going on in multiple properties from that. You don't really right. have that, that, you know, that lifestyle out there.
0: I mean, I can, I can put some stuff out. I do have trail cameras. I do, you know, or, you know, we're talking an expanded view, 13,000 acres, uh, our West River property, you know, over a thousand acres on our East River property um, to own that many cameras. You know, I'm not, uh, we have some sponsorships. Game cameras is not one of them, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. Um, Hit him up. But like, if anyone wants a good,
1: you know, a good area to run a lot of cameras, Corey's got the space. So yeah, <laughs> anyone to listen to this. Yeah, anyone want to help me if out you, here
0: And then <laughs> right after you that you need a battery. And, run and, everything.
1: Yeah. and right <laughs> after that you need a battery sponsorship because geez. No kidding.
0: <laughs> yeah. So but like, you know, being able to set up a camera can work in certain situations with Whitetail, even Mule Deer. Um, but You know i have i've not found anything better than sitting on a hill and glassing for 12 hours and then the next day going to the point where i couldn't see and glassing for 12 hours and finding them and then just watching i mean when i say glassing you know we're watching deer for a while but it's not like sitting in a tree stand or in a blind and watching deer that come in at 200 yards. We're talking 800 yards, thousand yards. We're watching them. We're, we're picking them off. We're getting a little closer. The next time we go out finding the maneurisms, trying to figure out where they're moving. And, you know, over the time that I've been out here, I kind of know where they like to be, but it's still 13,000 acres. I mean, there's still stuff that I, have you know, I know I haven't touched every bit of it, but, um, definitely stuff even that I've touched that I don't, have memorized about how they access i mean there's case in point there's a there's a fence i wanted to be on for a stalk just to start the stalk as long as the deer turned the right way and the wind was right and i thought they were going to come over and hop a fence and we were going to be right in it and like three weeks prior had broke through the gate or through a fence like I don't know, 800 yards to the east of where we were sitting, like, two weeks prior, and those deer came up to the fence. They were going to do exactly what I thought they were. All the grass was beaten down that they've been jumping it this entire time, and they walked up to the opening instead of jumping the fence just because the opening was now there, and it, I mean, it just, it it changes so fast out there, um, and then even having to deal with the cattle i mean these are cattle ranches that we got to deal with is our you know 1200 cow calf pairs i've got an idea of where i want to go and i you know i know what paddock they're in but that doesn't mean that the deer are going to be like hey the cows are here i can't be in this paddock either so Mm -hmm. um and one ugly thing about cows is for some reason when you're out there they want to they draw interest real quick they want to be right next to you and make noises and draw attention and every other animal's like hey what's going on over there yeah stupid cows (laughs) we've seen we've seen i mean some of the biggest deer and i'm not saying this just because they got away you know the 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 fish always get bigger when they get away but not the (laughs) biggest deer but some of the biggest deer that we've had um where they're in the middle of a cow pasture and it's, there's no way to get there when there's 1200 cow calf pairs. There's, it's just, it doesn't matter which way the wind's blowing. It doesn't matter if it's know. blowing 50. I mean, and, and that's another part of spot and stock where, you know, we're sleeping in wall tents at a West river property, uh, and calm days are days that I don't look forward to um in river breaks everything swirls your thermals are just as bad as they are in the mountains obviously they intensify in the mountains but um you kind of get a little lackadaisical in a river break because you don't think about the thermals as much um i've killed all my deer out here in 20 plus mile an hour winds and it's you spend a lot of time on glass being really cold and you find (laughs) a deer you get downwind and I mean, you can get you, I mean, it's, and you, you know, I I don't want to make it sound like it's the easiest thing in the world. You can get within 20 yards of them. I mean, they will sit there and hunker the winds in South Dakota, North Dakota. They're no joke. I mean, it's, it's been an eye opener for me the last five years being out here, 50 mile an hour winds, 30, 40 mile an hour winds. Um, And then doing it archery you got to get 20 yards so there's not much you can do about it but a pheasant can go really fast in a 30 mile an
1: hour wind i found that out like holy moly (laughs) yeah
0: i think they've i think they've been clocked at like 25 miles an hour that's without wind and you watch them like turn sideways dude you can't it's lead them even, far it's enough. not even worth yes wasting ammo <laughs> no you cannot touch them you cannot touch they're like them. what i have clients so that will be hunting in wind and they'll be like well where was i i'm like you're behind them are you yeah, sure you're, you're across <laughs> the field how'd you see that i'm like i just know it's you just know it 35 yep. miles an hour out here
1: you were not far enough ahead <laughs> no you were not leading them enough that's for sure <laughs> that's great so yeah i mean i i'm super intrigued by like your you know your whitetail hunts because of like what you touched on like that wall tent kind of thing so like if you wanna if someone like wants to kind of have like the adventure like hunt you guys offer that which is pretty cool you know and you get to do you get to get out of you know your comfort zone and kind of work your way west i mean that was one of the reasons why we did the bear hunt because like i didn't i really really like to go on elk hunt someday you know like that was kind of like our that's something I think a lot of people from like our Michigan Midwest area want to do that but well, like that's a really right. big financial commitment to go do that and mountains and traveling and logistics and all that like where you guys are in South Dakota you can drive that if you want no no big deal you know you can, but you can also have the opportunity to fly in and do that kind of thing but for someone who's like a Midwest guy that wants to get out there and kind of you know have that you know middle of nowhere feel you know kind of like you're just out there hunting. This sounds just like right up your alley you know
0: doing that there's an adventure to it whether you're staying at the lodge here east river or you know the west river camp it's definitely a little more adventure in the west river camp in the in the wall tents and everything but um you know you can kind of pick and choose what you want to do obviously there's there's more mule deer west river uh it's it's a little more rustic but uh yeah i mean absolutely it's it's within driving distance i think to get back to grand rapids from where we are here it's it's like 13 hours and i've got two kids so um you could you could push it if you're by yourself or yep. with your hunting partner um mm-hmm. easy i've, I've got to make stops for two kids so <laughs> yeah dude, you can do that no problem
1: i mean that's yeah that, that's what's awesome about that you get to that it's a whole different world in 13 hours from, you know, Grand
0: Rapids, which is
1: pretty cool. You know, that's a
0: cool And yeah, It experience. really changes. It changes drastically. It's not like it slowly changes through Wisconsin Minnesota. I mean, Wisconsin Minnesota are just like Michigan. And then as soon as you get to, you know, past Sioux Falls of South Dakota, it starts changing quick to yeah. the, to the prairie. Um, and I mean, I love the mountains and everything. And I, I'd give anything to, to own some property out there or a cabin somewhere. I, I, we're looking in Idaho trying to find something but like the everything the prairie offers is is it's fun. Now the wind can beat you up a little bit but have a little gear I guess yeah. to get through it. It's <laughs> good stuff.
1: Like would you say you're how many people are in the town you live in? Would you say 700? Yeah, yeah so there's you're outnumbered by cows and pheasants for sure you know and in wildlife uh, ju- that's just there. in the
0: pasture next to us yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly yeah <laughs> so it's 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 definitely a different experience so what um yeah so i guess if there's any kind of other like maybe a little tidbit that you can give from like like someone who like me let's say like i've so maybe i'm not the best example because i've been hunting out of state for like you know 10 years so i've been to missouri i've been to iowa i've been to illinois kentucky all these states and i we try to do a hunt every year someone who's like maybe on the fence that's never you know done a guided you know whitetail thing or a uh you know uh out of state journey from my perspective looking at this i have spent quite a bit of money me and my dad we've never done a full guided whitetail hunt but we've done semi-guided and we've done we've always tried really hard to vet you know before we go like either using yeah. social media or lots of phone calls and we've been burnt like i've spent a lot of money me and my dad for that five or six day hunt um to get to a spot where we were told no one's hunted here yet this year and then yep you can hang your stands wherever you want and then we do like a little scout around and it's like dude this place has been pounded like there's human sign everywhere um you know you you see you see trees that have you know stands in them that they the people left and you know got tracks and all that and then it's just you're hunting it's almost worse than hunting in Michigan because it's been just blown out um well and you don't know it either that's exactly yeah. it's a new thing so this kind of a hunt is super intriguing I think and you can probably back this up but you're going to go to a place that's vast that is you know you can't just blow it up like you're seeing stuff from a distance you know in your if you do like that rut kind of hunt you're finding new you said, you get surprised sometimes with bucks and like this is like a different kind of an experience it's almost like if you're going to spend the money on something give this a shot like i there's 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 good opportunities in the prairie like situation where you're at to have that kind of land that you can just go and enjoy and then you get to do the rustic side of it like wall tent you know kind of thing it's just you know there's a lot more things to offer with that kind of a hunt
0: yeah i think um you know doing a more spot and stalk especially whitetail um obviously mule deer that's kind of how a lot of people do it anyway but um a whitetail opportunity to do spot and stalk is a it's a once in a lifetime that will keep you coming back i mean it's addicting don't i mean i'm not going to say do it once and you'll be satisfied and you're going to keep coming back and that's that doesn't have to be guided there's there's plenty of public land out here that's that's uh up for the taking as far as like how archery goes in South Dakota. Um, it is, it's an over the counter. Um, and for like West river, you can either do an East river or West river, um, or you can get like a a state tag. So you get both, um, but they're any deer. So you can shoot a whitetail or you can shoot a mule deer, um, depending on where you're going. So, um, it's, it's fairly easy to figure out on the website if anyone, you know, anybody needed help game fishing parks anyone can obviously reach out to me at any time but um whether you want to do guided or not or just get intel um yeah i mean being able to come out and kind of scout some land if you know a little bit about whitetail you're going to be able to find them um having a guide obviously helps guides who care uh nate you know touched on being burned i've been burned before and i'm in this industry this is what i do whole time and i've met people and want to go out and people that need dogs and you know we kind of trade a hunt here or there and it doesn't turn out the way it's supposed to and (laughs) um it it happens to be able to vet somebody is you know if i found out the best way to do that i would have i would have done it by now because every time i hear a story like that like nate just said um it makes me look bad whether Mm -hmm. directly it does or i'm just overthinking it Um, I put my heart and soul into this and to hear people get burned on it, I feel like makes every phone call that I take that much harder to, to secure, um, spend the time on the phone, ask them to be on the phone is, is the best way that I've found, uh, as far as if you are looking for a guide, whether it be South Dakota, anywhere else, um, spend the time with them if they want you to come hunt with them they will spend the time with you if if they don't and they're busy which we are right it may not be hey right now right i may be scouting if you're calling me for a couple weeks and i've got zero service when i get back um either if i haven't reached out reach back out and we'll talk but try to get them on the phone and talk to them It's, it's very hard to unfortunately with especially with new technology with ai stuff i've seen some crazy stuff this this year with uh these generated responses um get on the phone and talk to your guide um your potential guide uh and talk to other guides too and here's here's a tip that i don't think anyone's gonna like but if you have a guide and you ask them about another guide or an outfitter and they dog them immediately i can guarantee you that the one you're talking to that's dogging someone else is not the one to go with either yep. so um there are plenty of hunters there's plenty of clients out here for everybody um if somebody's actually done something wrong sure uh but to just go out and out of your way and dog someone for a clientele list i think that's that's yep that's, a that's solid advice
1: man. And like you 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 nailed you nailed on the head like I'm in construction. So every handyman who has burned a homeowner or every horror story you read on Facebook or social media, every time you've heard I paid all this money and it only got halfway done and the guy left, I feel I like take that personally, you know, because that's yeah. just my that's just the career I'm in and it just I just hate that that is like you and of course you hear the bad more than you hear the good or the bad you know sticks around a little longer but yeah like that's the right. last thing i want to do is to have that and you know you guys as you know having uh, you know outfitting and that kind of thing you're providing the service for these guys and you just want what's best for hunters you want a good time you want to do that you're obviously you're making a living doing it but if you really broke down with how much time you guys put into what you do and how much money you do make in a year <laughs> you, there's a lot of other things you can do to make that same money and not have to work so much, but you get the enjoyment and you get to live the life that you and your family want to live. Like you said, you got a wife and two kids and like, you're living that you're living that lifestyle that, you know, that is how you wanted your family to go. And it's just a passion. And I mean, yeah. I, I'm looking from the outside in and having this conversation with you. It's very apparent that you, you're tore up with us and you love doing it.
0: So, I mean, yeah, that's, uh, that's especially all now. I mean, doing this doing the podcast now we have clients here right now the opener is the non-resident opener is tomorrow morning uh we have our our corporate group here for pheasants i just got back from west river for from grouse and our last uh archery deer hunt for a couple weeks i've got guides out there still but um yeah i mean i live for this time of year it is uh i'm excited for it got uh, me I all got,
1: fired up man like I got, you know what's coming I keep, like you got this I'm sure you is th- good
0: stuff see me looking off my shoulder here i got coyotes out here i'm sitting on our front porch i got coyotes running through our tree belt right now oh, i can geez. hear them all but um <laughs> yeah. it's uh yeah i think just you know to get back to finding a guide the last thing i want is for anyone to get to get burned on something the, you know, the business that I choose for sure. And not that any other business is easier, but it, you know, we, we're a lot business. This is something that nobody has to go do. No one has to pay a guy. They don't have to pay me to do anything. Um, and reputation is everything. Uh, and it is with every business. I'm not saying it's not, um, but it is, is something that I take, personally when when stuff like this happens i I love every minute of it and if there's any way that i can help if it's even trying to help you with public land i I don't care i mean my passion for the outdoors you know nate i mean he mentioned tony uh his brother nick everyone that we kind of grew up with i think everyone knows my passion for the outdoors and how much that i love it if it's just helping someone get successful in the outdoors, whatever that may happen, however that is, fishing, hunting, whatever it is, I'll I'll help as much as possible. So um and finding that person is is tough to do. There's a lot of people out there. There's a lot of good guides all over. Um but try to talk to them on the phone and vet them as as best you can that way. So plug what your place is. You know, I don't
1: know if we've really even talked about that. Like kind of give a little thing, let people know who they can reach out to, what they gotta look up and Yeah, obviously in the show notes, I can, I'll have this too, but yeah, we're, what, what are you, like, what is your name, your lodge or whatever? What is all that?
0: So our lodge is Grand Ciel Lodge, C-I-E-L Lodge. Um, We're in Plankington, South Dakota, a town of 700. Uh, My dog training business is the Dog Park, P-R-K, spelt P-R-K for park um and the the website and everything will be on there we do dog training pointers and retrievers um and then our hunting business is sharp tail um prairie chickens pheasant i do head down south and travel guide a little bit after our season here our wild bird season but uh we do deer hunts whitetail and mule deer if, you, if the spot and stalk isn't your game and you want to do more stand hunting that's what we have kind of east river where our lodge is and then if you know adding just that little extra adventure is is where you think that you sit going sleeping in a wall tent for six or seven days spot and stalk in the prairies of south dakota you know maybe maybe that's more up your alley that's that's a fun time too so um anybody wants to reach out I'm sure my email and everything will be right on there. Uh, anyone can contact us anytime. So
1: perfect. Well, let's end it on that, man. I uh, thank you for doing this and uh, hopping on. I have a very sneaking suspicion this is not going to be the last time that you're on Michigan Wild because I uh, I'm I love this kind of a conversation. This is something that I've over, I I've done for years talking to people and doing this. And now I get to record it and do this thing. So. I appreciate taking time and doing this and anytime I can help someone out that's, you know, chasing their dream and doing that, like I'm taking advantage of that. So thank you for doing this, Corey, man. And, uh, I hope everyone enjoyed this episode of Michigan wild. And, uh, like Corey was saying, you know, just get out there, go out there, walk around. If you had a dog or maybe you don't just spend time outside and, you know, be open-minded. It's kind of like what he was touching on earlier. Like maybe you're shed hunting, but look at for more things or maybe you're just out there enjoying, enjoying the creation and just see what you can learn and just try to be better and uh you will not be
0: disappointed thanks guys yeah yep yeah, thank you